uh, I honestly became a different person after I became a mom. It really was a life-changing event. Like every perspective and lens that I walk through the life in now is completely different. And, you know, unfortunately a part of that is because like those first three months with my first were the complete opposite of what I expected. And I also put on like a little martyr hat and try to do it all by myself, um, you know, because it's all supposed to come naturally. And, you know, I always wanted to be a mom. And then I was like, okay, just kidding. <laughs> this is really, really hard. Um, so, yeah, I uh, back to the, the co-founding the Global Employee Resource Group um, was like, things have to be better. Hey, everyone. Welcome. Thanks for coming tonight. Hello. Hello. Hi. Angie, who do we have here tonight? I'm so excited that my friend Sarah <laughs> is here. She's one of the most incredible humans I know. Um, she is a girl mom of Ella and Nora. And then she has a husband, Aaron, and they've been together for 13 years. I went to their wedding. Wow. So we throw back. <laughs> Sarah and I have known each other for a while. Um, she's a director of product management at an internet company. <laughs> she, but the most important thing is that, is that she co-founded a global employee resource group for parents that um, evolved, that evolved to include caregivers of all kind, which is like really why we asked her to be here. Um, she does love to swear especially during passionate conversations. And so we don't have a bleep tool, but if you've listened to the podcast before, then you kind of know the drill, like just put on your big girl panties and deal with the word fuck. You're in the, I was going to say you're in the right fucking place. If you're, <laughs> if you're I, I did thought about asking if there was like a limit, like maybe there's a quota that once I reach it, I should probably stop, but um, I'll air you horn know. you. Yeah, just a little, a little uh, taboo buzzer beat. Like that's kind of cool, um, we'll try to keep it. We'll try to keep it cool. Um, yeah. I'm super pumped to be here. Um, I binged the first season, if you will, of the podcast. I love it. Um, a, uh, I honestly became a different person after I became a mom. It yeah. really was a life changing event. Like every perspective and lens that I walk through the life in now is completely different and you know unfortunately a part of that is because like those first three months with my first were the complete opposite of what I expected yeah. and I also put on like a little martyr hat and try to do it all by myself um you know because it's all supposed to come naturally and you know I always wanted to be a mom and then it was like okay just kidding <laughs> really really hard um so yeah I uh back to the the co-founding the global employee resource group um was like things have to be better for moms um and then as i grew in the erg space um the internet company that i work at has a lot of different employee resource groups uh, and it really came to light that there is a place for people with children adult children dependents family members that um need special caregiving for their entire lives, as well as so much of us, um, you know, us millennial moms are like evolving into this sandwich generation of caregiving for our parents and grandparents uh, while we're caregiving for our, our own children, you know, like 
breaking generation trauma and all the things that's on our <laughs> backs right or i guess our mental load right now um that it really became like an employee who is responsible for somebody else needs the same kind of considerations um and so we just brought everybody into the fold uh, and it just has made a lot of sense um over the last couple of years so all right i'll i'll be done we can move on with i love that topic, i love but... that no i don't have see you just did my whole all my editing work for me you just gave me the opening <laughs> sound clip i don't even have to i don't even have to do it later this is perfect <laughs> wonderful i did used to work in tv um and then i found out it made no money so here i am at the internet now <laughs> that's fair that is fair I've heard that from more than one person yeah yeah so we'll start with our peaches and our pits so Sarah we do this every week you know since hearing the season one um so what my pits is last minute I had an employee back out of an event she was supposed to attend so I had to attend the event which are never really my favorite things um just because it requires a lot of like manual labor carrying stuff. <laughs> I mean, I'm really kind of being a princess about it. Um, but then my peach is that it went super, super well and it was super fun. And it was like the target demographic. Um, I had boot earrings that I could wear. So that was super cool to have some um, boob earrings to get people talking. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was great. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, uh, Sarah, what about you? Oh, my um, peach, I'm going to go peaches first, is uh, my eldest, who's eight. She's been in um, play therapy for a couple years now. Um, and this summer, we went forward with like an official diagnosis with ADHD just like her mommy. So, um, you know, everyone's totally mentally stable at this house. We're fine. Um, <laughs> but we did, she has been in play therapy for a long time, but we took the leap and started her on medication and uh, just had her teacher follow-up assessment, um, which, you know, anecdotally shows that her performance in school of, um, she's a little bit hyperactive more kind of like how boys are typically diagnosed um and she's getting phenomenal uh response from her teacher with really good feedback um and we meet with her psychologist on wednesday um so i'm really excited to see um how this helps her um and this weekend we had her do a um a little rubber band break bracelet task and typically she'll go like maybe five, seven minutes. And it's like, I'm bored. I need to do the next thing. So for eight years, it's been a constant entertainment cycle. Um, and she did rubber band bracelets for four hours. Oh my gosh. So like the medicine works, you know, like maybe there needs to be a little bit of intervention. Um, but I've never seen that girl focus and, you know, thoroughly enjoy herself in doing something for you know, like more than 10 minutes at a time. So um, that's my big peach. It's a, it was a big step for us to go into that. Um, so glad to have that. And my pits is um, work at the internet company has been so crazy that um, I canceled my therapy for today. Um, so I took, I took myself out of my self care 
And um, that's my bad. That's on me. But I also couldn't bear the like weight of traveling to therapy yes. and traveling. It's like two hours um, with the appointment included. So I was like, I just couldn't do it this week. That's fair. Yeah. 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 It does suck though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that does. Um, let's see. I'm going to say that my pit is not getting to dance in the Whoville Christmas recital. Oh, so, yeah. Um, I mean, by the time this episode airs, I, it'll either be close to or just past Christmas already, if you can believe that. But, um, we had already planned a trip for Christmas break for the kids as a surprise, and normally the recital, you know, is like earlier in December. And this year, for whatever reason, she chose the like studio owner chose the twenty third, and I was like, yeah. I, I think Angie and I both had the same reaction. We're like, we like, had a weird date. Yeah. We're like, well, you know, during Christmas season is one thing, but yeah, <laughs> two days also- before is a. Is I was like, that's that's a commitment. Um, but I am genuinely bummed that we're not we're not doing yeah. it. Um and Nora was a little teary when I told her. Um so that's my pit. Um, but I mean, if that's the worst, that's doesn't seem too bad. Um and I'm gonna say my peach is that uh Sports are going to be coming to an end soon. <laughs> as much as I love, as much as I love seeing my kids play sports, um, three sports for like five weeks, it was too much. It was, yeah, you know, it seemed reasonable when we signed up, and as it turns out, it's not. I mean, it's fine for our kids. <laughs> It's like when Melissa McCarthy on Bridesmaids gets like nine dogs home yes. from the bridal showers. Yes. They're committed. Yes. Yes, that is a hundred percent how I feel about, about sports. So anyway. Um Spitfire shenanigans. So I have a story. Is it fix you want your to face? It. Did fix your face last week? Did we? Yeah. Oh, you're right. We did. Yes. So I have. Oh, I was going to say, I have that uh, special email from Nora's teacher. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Could do a Spitfire story about Nora. Juicy. Yeah. Um, So while I pull that up, Nora is my youngest. She is five years old and in kindergarten. And we have always said that uh, it is Nora's world and we just live in it. And um, she kind of has the same vibe as Caroline. And I was just going to say, you're normal. Like, yeah. she's just like, y'all can fuck off. I'm going to do what I want. Like, yep. And uh, it just pushes every boundary seven times. So, like, I'll frame it as consistency in communication and consequences <laughs> <laughs> are the only way we make it through. Um, but, uh, I will just read this verbatim for you. I wanted to reach out and tell you about a game Nora is playing at recess. I had a student report that Nora is playing a game where she is making other students do tasks, climb the slide, go across the monkey bars, etc. If the students do the tasks, she says they can be her friend. 
But if they don't, she says they are not her friend and laughs. I have already <laughs> I have already talked with Nora about how this is not kind and it's and that it's okay if students don't want to do the task, she says. We talked about how it's unkind to laugh at the students and it hurts their feelings. I told her that I would like her to play a different game at recess. And then she asked us to, you know, tell her to be kind. And when I tell you, I read this aloud to my husband and we both looked at each other. We believed it with all of our hearts that this yes. was an absolute possibility. Um, and I wrote back to the teacher right away of saying like, yes, we will absolutely emphasize that like, that's not okay. And being kind. And we use this phrase helpful or hurtful when we make comments or speak to each other. Um, and you guys know an eight and five year old are not always great at that. So um, asking them, is that helpful or hurtful allows them to think for themselves of like, oh, I did say something really shitty. I need to walk, right. you know, need to walk that back. So like, and I'm like, if you talk to the other parents, please send them my apologies. We'll, you know, <laughs> we'll address this. I took full because we a thousand percent believed it. Turns out, long story short, they were redoing um, an episode of Bluey where there's like a fairy queen and they're trying to make a potion. And so poor Nora is like, I didn't do those things. We were making a potion to save everybody. <gasps> and we were helping the fairy queen. And and then it turns out- I didn't out, know that part. I never followed up with you. I just sent you a screenshot because it was so funny. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, no, but she was just reenacting like an episode of Bluey, of Bluey where they were like trying to save everybody with the magic potion where like you had to gather leaves and a wood chip and all this stuff. Oh, and it just, it just, yeah, it just, I guess one of the kids wasn't having a great time with it because they didn't want to do like this rock wall thing. Mm -hmm. And it turned into this that well, you can't be my friend. friend and yeah, I'm <laughs> laughing at you. <laughs> Do I think there's a blurry line where it at where like the real truth is somewhere in between those two? Sure. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, Nora fits right in with Caroline and your Nora. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, I had the girls at my house this weekend while Angie and Jesse were at the game. Um, we left after halftime because <laughs> we did not want to sit in the north end zone and fry and watch the Huskers lose um badly so uh we my mom had had my mom took them home from volleyball for us and then um she left and I was sitting outside and the girls got we have two scooters one of them is Nora's and one of them is Willa's so it has like a little fold down seat so that she can like sit in the scooter um, so it's always like the more popular scooter among friends because they're just like, they're just dazzled by this seat. Um, and so like they were going down our driveway, which has like just enough slope that like, you know, they can get a little speed. And then I was watching and I would tell them like, you can go across the street. And so they'd go across the street and then go down our neighbor's drive, which is like has a real hill. And then like it also loops so they could like go down so they had, they like devised this game of house and I don't remember who was the mom and who was the sister. There could have been two moms. There could have been two sisters. I do not know for sure. But at any rate, um, Nora might've been 
the I think Nora was the mom and Caroline was the sister because basically like this whole situation devolves and we are arguing over like the scooters uh, and like who gets to do what and how many times because at first it was like every other and then it got to be like every two times every three times and this is right around the time Angie you texted me and you said like hey what time do you want me to come get Caroline and I said well by 8 30 because Nora was up late and like has had a right. teach today you know like so she's <laughs> early she needs an early bedtime earlier and um so they're arguing about and Caroline is screaming at Nora about how she's not following the rules and Nora's like basically I don't give a fuck I'm the mom yes <laughs> yeah that sounds right yeah that sounds she's right. like I'm the mom and I told you this is how it was gonna be and so so they like start arguing and then Nora goes across the street Caroline follows and Caroline is still yelling at Nora as she's just like flying away and Nora's just like bye so then they stop and they're standing in my neighbor's driveway, like at opposite ends, screaming at each other. And I can't hear exactly what they're saying, but I can see that Caroline is stomping her feet and Nora's like, just <laughs> hands, like, and there, and I like literally was picking up my phone to be like, um, this has gone off the rails. Maybe you should come get her. <laughs> and they come back up the drive. They have like one last mean comment for each other. <laughs> and then it was like this light switch flipped on and they're just like, okay, so are we just going to go back to playing the game now? And we can just, do you want to trade? And then they were like a hundred percent fine and super happy. And I was just like, a bunch of psychopaths. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what happened here, but this was, this was slightly unnerving to watch. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm sensing that they are two girls who have been told that it is okay to share their emotions <laughs> and their feelings, and they're doing that and expressing themselves. And since they got it out of their systems, they can go back to being friends. That's what I'm hearing. That, that is they have excellent mothers. I don't think they were told they could <laughs> share their feelings. I think they just came out sharing I think they just did. We accepted it. <laughs> They weren't yeah. given permission. They just they just act. Yeah. They just took it, which is even better. That is even more. <laughs> <laughs> even more. All, All right. right. Quick partner praise. Um, I will say my partner praise is that Eric has been hustling to finish all of these house projects. Oh, good. Um, before before Nora's birthday party this weekend. Oh, it's. It's Thursday. <laughs> we clarified the deadline this evening. Great. Great. <laughs> There's nothing more that I love than corporate jargon. <laughs> yes. Passive aggressively applied to real life. Yeah. 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 What about you, Angie? My partner praise is that it hasn't happened yet. So like maybe it's a little like <laughs> stepping to or putting my eggs in a basket. But um our cow is ready at the butcher. And so Jesse already took a half day um from work tomorrow to go drive to Iowa 
to get the cow and then bring it back. And then he's actually going out again on Saturday to split firewood for this season. Um, so yeah, he's going to be doing a lot of manual labor. Sounds more Midwest than us being like our cows, right? I mean, we got our cow back in July. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we always and get a cow. It is a half day thing. It so. saves so much money. Everybody should do it. You do, and it's like it's way better. So much better than like what you'll buy at the store anyway. Sarah, right. what's Aaron done? Um, I have two really fast ones. Uh, one was uh, this weekend. Um, let's just say we had one of those weeks where like we grazed past bath night, probably yeah. three or four nights too long than we should have. Um, and on Sunday, uh, all of a sudden the bath was running. Um, one kid was already bathed before I even realized it. Mm. And then the other one was... Um, headed upstairs and I don't oh I was building Legos <laughs> uh, I was building some Legos I'm in my Legos era um, and so I had no idea because I was just kind of in Lego zone listening to my podcast um, and then my other thing was really funny and maybe it's husband spitfire shenanigans but um, we have these little plastic uh, lap trays if you will that the girls eat dinner on sometimes um, like Friday movie night for the TV um, he purposefully, I thought it was lazily, uh, left them down on the floor and it was so that the dogs could give him a pre-wash. Um, so the dogs would, yeah, and leave it there all the nooks and crannies. <laughs> and then he washed them afterwards. He just like, there's too many small little holes and, um, for his big man hands, you know, to clean it so. himself. So he just let a dog's mouth do all the hard work. And I was like, you know, that's genius. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. He's kind of smart. Yeah. <laughs> I right. picked a winner. So, you did. You did. We love Aaron. We do. So the issue today we're talking about is how modern parenting expectations set women up even before birth to carry the majority of the mental load just by default. And that load continues to avalanche in from pregnancy into maternity leave. Um, because of gaps in our community and our village, we're no longer surrounded by generations before us that have, um, mothered like aunties, sisters, um, mothers. And so we've kind of lost this village and our world world is so digital also that I feel like that even separates us more from the physical, um, community and support. There's definitely some really twisted uh, perceptions around maternity leave um, that we're just taking a vacation. We're going to tackle all these house projects because, you know, we're just going to be hanging out with a baby. Um, <laughs> that was 100% and- said to me before I went on vacation with yep. my first, or maternity leave with my first. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was going on a 12-week vacation. And I was like, I don't think you know what you're talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just, and then we, and these expectations come from external and internal because we are strong, independent millennial women and we can do anything and we're the best. And so. I'm a strong, independent woman. I don't need no man. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So we end up with these internalized expectations and uh, maternal gatekeeping because we have far more skin in the game as far as how the world perceives our children. Um, 
And yeah, it just leads to a bunch of shit that sucks. And so it creates this kind of foundation for the mental load. Um, so researching this episode, um, it talked about how men who take paternity leave are less likely to get divorced, which I thought was really, really interesting. So it kind of goes to show how important parental leave in general is, not just maternity leave. Um, but a Swedish I mean, study. I was going to say, I, I think that uh, study was even just 30 days, like four weeks off yes. of work. Yes. And yeah, you're far was, less likely to get divorced. Yes. It was a very small amount of time. And the other benefit was their spouse was less likely to require antidepressant and or anti-anxiety medications in the postpartum period. And the postpartum period, by, nef- de- by definition, is the first year after the baby. Um, but yeah, so like I mean, there's benefits me that, on both sides. Yeah, it makes a, it makes a lot of sense because I feel like, and, and this is what we kind of talked about when we came up with the idea for this episode was that it feels like maternity leave is like where the mental load starts because your husband goes back or your partner goes back two weeks, like two weeks max for some people for a lot, it's even less. And so all of a sudden you're just like, Oh, it's me. (laughs) Like, I can't, I can't wake you up in the middle of the night because you have to go get a, a good night's sleep before you go to work or like, you know, I'm, I'm home all day, every day. So like I learn this baby better than you do. And so, you know, I do feel a little bit more superior to my own detriment, but yeah, I have you know, a plus one that for, for sure. Like yeah, half the, half of like, the next five years were solidified in the first two months. Uh, I I chose to breastfeed. I am the food source, which also made me the nurturer, the crying stopper, the waker upper in the middle of the nighter. It, it, that became everything. There's a whole lot, like a lot of battle with, um, my own cracked nipples and uh, tongue ties <laughs> that had to get cut twice and all of that that's piled onto right. it. But right, like right. the that first two months like solidified I'm the only one that can solve any problems in my own brain. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I, I think that it's totally important. Like yeah. my husband tried. I took on the whole um, I can do this. I know how to fix this. It's easier if I just do it load and it sincerely impacted the next five to seven years of our lives like I feel like we are just now entering a new season of like our partnership because we are past the so dependent age yeah and she's five so like our youngest is five like we're only now feel like we are coming out of those woods it's so true and so then um some of the other effects are um, women are disproportionately impacted by childcare deserts. And so childcare deserts are where families don't have access to affordable or safe childcare. Um, this disproportionately also affects um, communities of color and rural and um, urban areas are far more impacted than suburban type families. Um, 
But yeah, it's, I mean, the statistics are anywhere between 23 to 75% of families across the U.S. report having a struggle finding safe, affordable childcare. Um, and then states with fewer childcare deserts end up seeing less women in the workforce. That, yeah, fewer deserts means fewer deserts. more, more childcare. Daycare oasises. <laughs> Daycare oasises. And you, then you get uh, more women in the workplace. Like, right. it's a simple math. There's yes. less um, constraints on women having access an opportunity to participate in the workforce um, when childcare is handled societally and spatially and um, taxes. And it just emphasizes the privilege of it all too, that it's, it's so often more in the community communities of color uh, in urban areas where there's um, more volume of people right. that need access to care and less, sources to find it. Yeah. Well, and, and, oh, sorry, go ahead, Caitlin. I was going to say, it's, I mean, it's why you saw when families started receiving like the childcare funding during COVID, it's why you saw a record number of women entering the workforce. Some of the highest numbers we've seen was because families had funding that made childcare affordable. So they could go to work and they could find childcare and actually pay for it and go and participate in the economy. And it's something that, um, something I think is really interesting is that regardless of your political affiliation, childcare is one of the few issues that regardless of political party, um, typically the same percentage of people agree the U.S. needs to support. Yes, because it's insane. It's, I mean, we all had kids in daycare at one point because we all work. And so the Department of Health and Human Services said that affordable daycare should be around, shouldn't exceed more than 7% of income. I can tell you that I pay more than 7%. And the average family actually actually ends up spending 27% of their income on childcare alone. That it's literally not including anything else other than a safe place for their children to land for eight hours a day. And it's just, I saw a statistic. I wish I had a source because I don't want to um, have any misinformation. Um, But it said something to the effect of it is nearly the same on average to send a child to childcare a year versus an in-state college education, which. Hey friends, this show doesn't have paid sponsors, but we do have some wonderful people who support Angie and I, and I can't not take the opportunity to tell you how wonderful they are and about their wonderful work. Let's start with Melissa. Melissa Bloom was a guest on season one, and I've had the privilege of working one-on-one with her, and I am so proud to tell you of her newest offering, Joy School. Doesn't that just make you smile? 
When we first started working together and I identified that the mental load was taking a heavy toll on me, Melissa really helped me put into words what I was seeking when I said that I wanted to lighten the load a bit. And that was to be more present in my day-to-day life with my kids. Sometimes, especially as busy moms, we get lost in the routines of our families and it feels like time is flying by while we're just on the outside managing moments. Joy School can help you shift out of simply going through the motions of your day and enjoy the small moments of wonder and joy with your family by delivering these delightful videos and words of wisdom that just honestly speak to your soul. What I love about Joy School, aside from the fact that it's hosted by Melissa, is that it doesn't feel overwhelming. The videos are short and they only come once every two weeks. You get these little love notes of support from Melissa and you can choose if it comes to you via text or email. It's $11 per month or $99 per year and you have the option to gift a subscription to a friend. If you've been looking to make a shift as you start the new year, be more present with your family, and take a step toward lightening your mental load, please give Joy School a try. There's a link in the show notes, and I do want you to know that I earn a small affiliate commission if you use the link, but there are a few things that I accept affiliate links for, and I could not be more honored to support Melissa and Joy School. Next Let's talk about Lauren Gordon. She's a season two guest who I was introduced to by Melissa, so it's no wonder that I also love her, her energy, and the work that she does. If you are a working mom who is struggling with any part of your professional life, Lauren is available to be your life and career coach. As a fellow working mom herself, Lauren draws from personal experiences and challenges that she's overcome. And she is a certified coach who has worked with hundreds of working moms and professionals during her nearly two decades in the corporate world, all while running her coaching practice for the past three years. Visit www.laurengordon.com to learn more about how to work with her and follow her on Instagram at working mom coach for tips you can begin applying to your life today. Everything is linked in the show notes, and Lauren was such a delightful guest to have on the show and has such a calming presence about her, so I cannot recommend working with her enough. And now, back to the show. I mean, I can think, um, I can think of what I paid for my total four years at a major university, like our state college, and I mean, that checks we're coming I, we're coming pretty close with yeah kids to my college yeah. education <laughs> sorry kids that's why you won't be able to go to college <laughs> I, I spent your college fund <laughs> before you were in kindergarten <laughs> my bad okay I googled fast okay uh in Nebraska <clears throat> the average in-state tuition fees uh, for 21 to 22 was just over $9,000. Oh, what? What? Then I am average, average annual in-state tuition at a public four-year college and university. This is from businessinsider.com as the okay, source. No, I mean, I guess that, yeah. And times by four, that's about what I was thinking. Total, total for my 
college degree, I probably come fairly close in a year paying for my childcare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same as yeah, I, I, I'm just. I thought we were in like. I thought I, I had this like low cost of living like Nebraska. <laughs> Turns out I was wrong. Jk. Jk. Well, I mean, imagine if you were somewhere else. Imagine if you were in like a coastal. Right. Then city. childcare would be inflated, as would in-state college tuition. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's insane. It's absolutely insane, and women are assumed as the primary caregiver, just like we saw when COVID happened, literally droves of women were forced to leave their work because there wasn't safe, affordable childcare. Mm-hmm. What were, what else were they going to do? Well, and I mean, with the childcare, with like that, um, it's the childcare cliff that everyone's been talking about. I can't remember the name of the exact funding. It's what I was talking about that started during the pandemic that it's not the tax credit, but the childcare like stipends with Mm -hmm. that going away. um, I read just today that 3 million children are at risk of losing daycare. And so then they're estimating that like the projected impact to the economy is $10.6 billion and American families stand to lose $9 billion in earnings. <laughs> it's beyond wild to me, the economic implications of not having parental leave or not having good child care or <sighs> health care, all these things that we aren't progressing as a society mm-hmm. based on the potential economic growth, the, in, the the improvements to economic growth if we supported women more. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep Like, yep. you will make money off it. Do it. <laughs> like, I, just, I, I thought that's what America was all about. We're, we're here to yeah. make money. We're here to make money. So it's wild to me that we don't, like, throw money at families to be like, get them out of the kitchen. Get them into my, <laughs> into my office. Exactly. Yeah. Get them Put her on the head of the board. Get her a CEO title. <laughs> money. We'll spend that money. Yeah. Uh, so some of the other effects um, of providing this safe leave is relationship equity. And women whose partners take um, equal share or some share of the mental load, generally have higher libidos. We learned this last season when Kristen Treat was on. She's a sex therapist, and she talked about how the mental load, when it's too much for anyone, regardless of sex, ends up with a lower libido, regardless. Um, So low female sexual desire affects more than 50% of women, and it's really difficult to treat because, weird, we're just always focused on men libido. There's a pill for that. There are several. Um, well, I thought what I thought was really interesting about that study was that it's also assumed that the woman is going to fix it on her own. Yeah. Are her hormone levels off? Is mm-hmm. you know, is it because she's not taking the time to relax? And uh, that study was that it's it's not just like all the things that need to get done. It's the mental capacity. Yes, uh, and how arousal comes to be is a longer story, a longer path typically. 
um, for most women in that um, it she can't do it on her own because there's we can't take stuff on our off our plates without right. someone else there to pick them up. Right. Um, you know, there can be some lacks, but like the the whole thing is it, it can't be a solo effort. So if if you want to have more fun, you know, work hard, then play hard. But you can't just play hard without, you know, putting a little effort. And to be and to clarify, (laughs) working hard doesn't mean you come home from work that night and go, I'd like to have some fun. (laughs) I bet when she sees me load this dishwasher, she's going to be like all over. All over. (laughs) Like (laughs) it is, it is cumulative. It is feeling you have a an equal partner throughout like that you have a truly like safe space and like completely supportive person. It's not the fact that you loaded the dishwasher or mowed a lawn (laughs) or whatever. It's, it's the fact that like, you know, you have made me feel valued and supported for for stretches of time where I'm like, oh yeah, right. This is exciting. I'd I'd like to spend some time with you. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm your I'm I'm your partner, not a project manager. If yeah. like what do you need me to do? I don't know. There's thirty seven dirty socks in every room of this house. Find and um, pick them up. Tell a kid to pick them up. Just I don't want to have to think about these socks. Can you take that that tiny sliver out of there? And then, um, you know, maybe you can schedule the kids' COVID and flu shots this year. We <laughs> both know they need to be done. Fall is coming. Like, go schedule it. I shouldn't have to tell you. Yeah. We learned about mm-hmm. context clues in, like, second grade, first grade. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah, look that's at the pictures yeah. and try to figure out what the words are. Right. There are 37 socks on the ground, and the socks generally don't belong on the ground. Let's use... Are executive functioning. Right. You don't sit around at work waiting for somebody to tell you what to do. Like you're you're identifying the stuff and the things that are gonna get you where you wanna go in your career. I'm confident you can walk in this store and look around the house and be like, okay, I can identify five things from my entryway that could probably use some level of attention. Yeah. So like the perfect quote to marry that is from the mental load, a feminist comic. And it's once we're back to work, things will get hellish. So hellish that we feel less exhausting to keep. It feels less exhausting to keep doing everything rather than battle with your partners. So he does his share, which oftentimes it's, they're like, Oh, relax. You shouldn't worry so much. And it's like, but who's going to do the things like the things all still need to, like the laundry still needs to be folded. The flu shots still need to happen. So like, if I'm not doing it, who's doing it? Who? But that question, that question, if it doesn't come up in an argument, like if you don't, if you don't say that when you're already in the middle of an argument, right. The thing that starts the argument. Yes. Yes, and, exactly. And and I feel like, you know, kind of going back to what we talked about at the top of the episode, like it felt like maternity leave is where all of that stuff started. You have all these like follow-up 
appointments for your kid when they're, you know, in that newborn phase and dad's already back at work or your partner's already back at work. So of course it's, it's you. And you're like, okay, great. Yep. I'll, I'll get that scheduled. And like, I will be there to listen to the list of things that my pediatrician tells me I should or shouldn't be doing or whatever, you know, like I'm the one when I'm having trouble breastfeeding, who's going to like go to the appointment and be like, okay, well, what can I do better? Like, what's wrong with the latch? What's wrong with this? Like, why, why are my nipples falling off? I don't understand. You know, know, it's, it starts, it starts there because we just don't support families in any sort of sustainable way. Like I, I distinctly remember there are like two things that are ingrained in my head from my maternity leave. And there's one where with our oldest, he just, he just loved to be held. Like he was just a baby who wanted to be held. And like, as a first time mom, first of all, I want to hold you all the time, but then also like, there's that struggle of like, how do I put you down? And like, you know, you're this itty bitty baby. I'm not going to just like leave you there to cry. And I remember being like a zombie at 4am watching VH1 and being like, oh, VH1 actually has good programming at 4am. It's like what I remember. But then also like bursting into tears and being like, how am I the only one who knows that VH1 shows music videos still at 4 a.m.? Mm-hmm. Like, I was it pop up video? Yeah, 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 pop up videos. Damn, yeah, yeah. It, I was like, if I were in a better mental space, I'd totally be excited about this. But as it turns out, like, I am just, you know, I was like, I was so angry and also so like devastated because I was like, I have literally been up for what feels like almost a full 24 hours and my husband's just upstairs sleeping like a log because he has his useless nipples. (laughs) He didn't because his his nipples have not fallen off. (laughs) This baby doesn't care if his dad holds him. He only cares if it's me. Mm -hmm. And then there was another one with our daughter where I was feeding her in the middle of the night and it was like when she was cluster feeding And I remember like looking over at my husband who's literally snoring next to me and thinking like, I legitimately might punch you in the face in your sleep. I might just do it right now because I'm so angry. Not necessarily at you, like yes at you, but also like the setup of this system that has somehow made it okay for you to just like pass the fuck out while I like work around the clock. And I mean, at this point I was back to work. I was like, so in, in, you know, with your first, there's sort of this illusion of like, oh yeah, you're right. Like you've got to go back to work. I'm sure by the time I have to go back to work, they'll be sleeping through the night. Cause we don't know shit about shit. <laughs> and like, <laughs> you know, but then, you know, with my second one, I was like, first of all, I know what's up. Like, I know this isn't going to change. And I remember sitting there thinking like, yeah, somehow, somehow as a, as a household, we were set up for you to think this was okay for me to just like sit here and take it in silent rage. And I might have to explain to an officer why I punched you in the face in your (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Totally. Yeah. Well, and so like the maternity leave benefits don't just protect in like the 
around like the period of childbirth, there was a study done that it contributes to the healthy aging among women that can last literally decades. So they have the findings have profound implications for the cost of medical care, the societal, the social participation, and the productivity of over of older women, as well as the societal impact of older mothers' mental health on family members and society. So, literally, just supporting them in the small, small, in the grand scheme of things, period. There's lifelong benefits. So I'm. I mean, I know I'm preaching the choir when I say <laughs> this seems like a no brainer. We'll just add it to the list. Yeah. Along with all that economic growth. Yeah. But no, like I made a joke earlier about like breaking generational trauma and, you know, generational curses and all of that. But like, think of it as, you know, what if we lived in a world where everyone had a doula and everyone was um, supplied with, a crib and sheets and clothes and backup formula and bottles um, like some European countries do. And then at a minimum, have a month, have your husband at home for a month. I, I cannot stress the fact enough that like that first month, first two months really did impact the way our entire future like played out in terms of my own internalized ownership of everything that needs to happen for this family and how I put that on myself. And, um, you know, I'm not giving him any graces. Like he also was like, okay, that's how it's going to be. <laughs> you know, um, you know, we've addressed it, uh, and all of that, but like, think of it of like, if, you know, Angie, you've got a, a spread of a, if like Charlotte sees her dad, which she does, you know, um, take on, you know, break down the gender norms, take on things, handle the appointment setting and all of that, then she expects that in whoever her partner is in the future. And like, if we can all, if we could all have the ability and capacity to do that, that's the like societal impact generation after generation is we just see this beautiful growth in caring for each other and especially like in our own relationships um but we can't do it on our own the village the society the the culture the goddamn government um needs to to do this in order for us to progress and you know worry about other important like other important things like just let women be equal partners and not a silent CEO. Like it just, I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, and I feel like you have a good point in, I'd never thought of it quite like this. Like we've talked in the past in terms of, you know, how important it is for dads to like model, like we've talked about non-gendered chores and tasks around the house and how important it is for dads to kind of model, um, things around the house. But I, I love that you've kind of tacked on this other layer in my head now, which is when, when, or if my husband picks up things like scheduling the flu shots, getting, you know, whatever the taking care of some of the doctor's appointments or the dentist appointments. Now 
that's my daughter's expectation of her future partner. So it's not just, you know, oh, it's not just my son recognizing that like he, you know, is capable of picking up a broom or emptying a dishwasher. It's also my daughter setting that standard and going like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to accept some guy who, or a partner who comes in here and is like, okay, well, yeah, I guess I'm going to sit here and scroll through my phone while you go ahead and like get dinner ready and get us all prepped to leave for the night for activities. Yeah, totally. And do the homework mm-hmm. and answer the 50 questions while you're stirring a boiling pot of some like, and all of that. My husband's now, uh, uh, if the girls come yell at me while I'm doing something, or like, bah! it's uh, I'm here too. Another parent is here. Yep, come talk to me. Like he's he's flagging them down. Like don't don't yeah. do this. Like look look at me. I am here. So he's trying to break the primary caregiver uh, little curse we've built. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's funny. That's it's the same. It's the same in my house. What has to, like, what has to happen, though, is that, like, you have to have the answers they're looking for. That's the thing. You know, like, it can't just be you intercepting them and being like, shut up, don't talk to your mom. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because, like, most, okay, well, we're going to say, like, 50% of the time they have a legitimate question. 50% of the time it's, like, some existential thought of, like, you know, like, what if a T-Rex's arms really were longer? What? How do you think that would have like impacted the survival of dinosaurs? And you're like, I don't fucking know. I can't think about this right now. We can talk about it on the way to baseball. But, you know, but yeah. half the time they are legitimately asking like, what time do we need to leave? What are we doing for this? You know, like they're starting to put together the pieces of like, oh, I, you know, like I've, they're starting to become aware and they're putting those pieces together in terms of like, I know we have something going on. So I want to start like thinking about what I need to do, but you can't just cut them off and be like, go away. Like, talk to me. You're not allowed to talk to your mom because you have to have the answers for the things that are legitimate. Like, I don't care if you want to shut them down about the T-Rex arm conversation. (laughs) I don't care. Engage with that or don't. But when they want to know, like, what time do I have to leave? Like, tell them what time they need to leave. Like, don't yeah, know it. Look know it up it. in your calendar that we work so hard. <laughs> make sure it works. <laughs> and per, everyone gets to Per your request, it's on the family calendar. <laughs> Funny how that works. And how things just like <laughs> pop up on there. Maybe Who does that. Maybe maybe I just made my son's case for getting a cell phone. Maybe he gets a cell phone simply so I can connect him to our family calendar. Yeah, and I can be like, it's on the calendar. You know how to read one. There you go. I basically just have a crew of like Labrador retrievers who are just constantly food motivated. They're like, okay, like I know what activities we have. More importantly, when am I going to eat it? Like, I'm going to need to know. So that's always the question. Pop quiz. What's the first thing out of your kid's mouth uh, when you pick them up after school, after after daycare? What's the first thing they ask you? I'm hungry. Why didn't you Can bring I me a snack? snack? What are we having for dinner? What's for dinner? 
yeah. what's for dinner every day no fail yeah what's yes. for dinner yeah and it's all i don't know i don't know we're gonna make it home without 37 <laughs> fights in this car and uh, then we'll ask your dad <laughs> <laughs> you should start calling them <laughs> just have them like, what, on the car what they're having for dinner and quite frankly i would do <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what can we do to fix this? Sarah, I would love to hear what you've done at your internet company to make <laughs> She sounds like she's in like a nineties dot com startup. I know. It's, it's like my favorite thing ever. Uh over here at the internet, uh <laughs> um, it's you know, there's it's important to note that like I do come from a very privileged position in that the company that I work for has resources. I had the opportunity for influence at a large scale. Um, change did not happen quickly. Um, so I'm going to start closer to um, uh, kind of the middle level. Uh, I should say, I've worked with our HR and benefit team. Um, it's a global company with, uh, at one point, had 13 to 14,000 people working for it. Um, and so there was also a global scale of it. Um, but I have been rudely spoken to from uh, executives um, because employees at the company were asking about the policy and why there were changes. I have sat with HR and been placated. I have... Um, fought for better language and how the, I shouldn't say fought, I worked with HR and provided better language that spoke like a human being, but still kept the legal integrity of the policies. Because um, it can get pretty complicated when you're trying to decipher, and especially for states that have added um, paid leave that often gets combined and like runs in parallel with the leave that your work offers. And that can get real messy, um, when it's kind of this, this mixed bag. But, um, we went from, uh, when I had Ella, uh, we had a breakout that if you had a C-section versus a vaginal birth, um, you got a different length of time of leave. Um, and we can all, you know, infer what those kind of impacts are. Um, if you adopted, you had a different kind of leave. If you were a surrogate or had a different, um, or had some, a surrogate provide a, provide a baby, bless your family with a baby. <laughs> um, it was, it was different, right? Um, and we went through several changes, several ownership changes at the company and things went back and forth. Um, so for at least eight years, I've been in a conversation with, uh, HR and benefits. And in this past year, I was so proud to hear from our, um, benefits department that like after years and years and years about talking about the financial benefits that comes with surrogacy or adoption incredible improvements, equal leave, whether a child comes into your life from fostering, birth, uh, no matter how that baby is born, whether you are the birth parent or not, um, the only ones that 
that get two weeks less than everybody else is a birth father. But equity was brought up for um, everyone else, and it's still a very generous leave policy. But, like, that took eight years of conversation. So, like, it's not going to change overnight for everyone. So at the smaller level, like, if you have the opportunity to form even an unofficial employee risk uh, resource group, it's just a community of people with like-minded interests and culture and hobby and understanding that, like, packaged together, you can bring requests um and present them to HR and benefits. Um, but really on like the macro level is, is within your manager, or if you are a people manager within your team, like find a way to have a culture that is respectful to those with or without children, but, uh, or other people that you are caretaking, um, that it's okay to leave work at the drop of the hat. Like, Granted, again, I work at the internet. It's it's always there. <laughs> and I'm not saving lives. And it's a different story for doctors or firefighters or police, you know, police officers or, you know, yeah. much more um, complicated situations. Again, hashtag, I'm, I'm very privileged to work from my bedroom at home <laughs> um, at the internet. But um, it's when, when someone goes on maternity leave, it's a team effort. The team has to take on um, that additional work. And a manager has to has the influence to indicate that that's that's important. Someone else might get to take a three week vacation to Europe. We all believe everyone deserves rest. Fine, we'll we'll cover you for those three weeks. Granted, parental leave is a little bit longer and it's a little bit more of a commitment. But like the trust you earn and the gratitude you you enable. <laughs> to a, not only, again, it all comes back to money. Like you want me to come back to work at a mom, as a mom, a new mom, a new dad. Um, I adopted this kid who I never met before. Like you give me the presence and the support and influence the team's understanding of what it's like to be a caretaker. And it's, it's not a tip for tat, right? But it is an right. understanding of like, my differences in needs as a parent are different than someone who's not. But I would still support that person who doesn't have kids who needs to get on a plane because their parent had a heart attack. And it's it's just got to be this culture of like, we have to get away from the idea of, um, I, uh, Sarah's always, you know, leaves every Tuesday at three o'clock because her kids got to go to swimming lessons. Yeah, well, what you don't see is Sarah also responds to emails from six to seven in the morning a few times a week. And then again, from like eight to nine, 30, 10 o'clock, a few other times a week. Like I can work my schedule without a monitor <laughs> of someone judging me because I have to leave on Tuesdays at three o'clock for swimming lessons. Um, and a manager has to fuel that. Your team can fuel that. Um, that kind of level of support you have control over whether or not your official HR policies have it um, or you have a full parental leave, you know, a good relationship with your manager can go a, far, uh, a long way. Um, and then I would say, even as individuals, um, listen to this podcast because it's super good. 
and they have amazing guests um, and like gain some perspective, share it with your spouse and tell them to listen to it. Um, But also like just fucking have the conversation with your own partner, your own village of I deserve to not be responsible for everything. I am one of four people in this home. I I give a little speech to my girls every once in a while. I was like, you live here too. You live here too. Rent would you free. like yeah. Would you like to eat off of clean dishes? Would you like to have clean underwear or you wanna go with you know your skid mark bingo panties for the third day in a row? Like make, make your choice either put them in the laundry basket or they're going to stay on your floor and that takes a little bit of like even convincing on my own part to not just do it for them right so there's extra work of like trying not to do all the work also so that's also hard <laughs> yes of letting go of the work and allowing it to you know allowing skid mark to to hang around a few extra days <laughs> on the floor <laughs> so we just pick it up if the dog doesn't eat it first. <laughs> right. It's oh, like a rescue take when, when you leave the dirty underwear too long. <laughs> They're like, hmm, this is this has been here for a while. I'm starting to smell yeah. good. <laughs> Companies know, like, it's a fact that retaining employees is significantly cheaper yes. than hiring. Like everybody knows this. So why wouldn't you just retain them? That's why that's why like economically you look at it and you're like if if you're all about making money it seems super obvious that you yeah. would just support families and especially the women in your workforce. And also you know I don't think we I don't think I should be obligated to answer emails. I shouldn't have to get up an hour earlier to answer emails to make up for having to take my kids to swim lessons at three o'clock on a Tuesday. Like, did I get all my stuff done for you? Great. Then bye. I'm not going, I'm not going to log in. I'm not here to give you hour by hour, like that kind of stuff just makes me so frustrated because you shouldn't have to do it. You should, Sarah should just be able to leave and take her kids to swim lessons at 3 p.m. Right. Like, unless she's failing to provide. It is, it is like worth an asterisk of Sarah is a workaholic and I love work and I do have a global team. So like I've got people all over the world that uh, it's, it's also nice to talk to them when they're, you know, during their yep. awake hours. So like I have been influenced over the years over here at the internet to that odd hours are, um, are uh, frequent. <laughs> I wouldn't, I don't ask anyone else to. to yeah. And I think, I think that's like a great, you know, like when you're talking about as a manager, like you have. <laughs> that opportunity to be like, this is how I choose to run it, but it's not my expectation for you. Right. There's a reason they invented schedule send in email and schedule send in Slack and other 
corporate goodies is like I'm working at 6 a.m. but nobody knows mm-hmm. I wouldn't ask anyone else to work at 6 a.m. um you just schedule send um yeah yeah you That's- create work-life balance for other people of like you're yeah. not expecting someone to open up their email at 6 a.m. um and I think that's super important because some folks just don't grasp that concept of like, you are more important to me in this corporate food chain. And if you email me after hours, the twinge of, oh, shit, I better respond, mm-hmm. um, you know, for these little type A people pleasers, like it's, it adds that anxiety <laughs> and butts in. Yeah. And it's, it's not fair to the employee and like managers have the, anybody who works with anybody else at a company, you have to take that into consideration of what you're putting onto someone else when you're going above and, and beyond and outside of extenuating, you know, regular working hours. Right. I had a, I had a manager who um, in the end did not necessarily give me a, a ton to role model off of her. But I remember when I first became, when I first started reporting to her and I became a people manager, that was one of the things she said to me was like, I will work early potentially, or I will work later, but I always make sure it's work that is not immediately visible to my reports because I never want them to feel like they're obligated to do the same thing. And yes. that was like one of the best managerial lessons that I, I took away as a, as a parent and as a people manager. And I think the uh, the other thing is like consistent reminders. Uh, I we've got kind of like a little intern guy, and he's going through his first user testing. And um, I've seen him work uh, because I get kind of the uh, email notifications from our test plans, and I see him working at like eleven o'clock East Coast. And I told him last Friday, I go, "All right, I've seen you." send an emails every night this week I want you off by three I want you logged off by three it's like give yourself a break it'll all be here Monday and just over communicating that like I see you I know that you are working hard I appreciate you but give yourself a break like over communicating that I feel is so important and empowering for the person you know make the decision on your own I won't tell someone that if they want to work at night so that, you know, Friday afternoon, they want to chill out a little bit more, like have at it, whatever works for you. I'm in 9,000 meetings a day, six to six to seven in the morning is, I can actually read the email and provide a thoughtful response and schedule to send it later. Unless, you know, otherwise I'm bouncing in between meetings all day long and I'm not, it's not as effective communication, but a hot cup of coffee mm, and emails in the morning, love it. <laughs> oh man so we've talked about kind of like the macro and the nano level of like what we can do to change this but I also think that there's a piece of macro that needs to help move the needle in the right direction which is going to be the large-scale policy changes at the federal level because the world we can't have rose colored glasses on thinking, Oh, this is so obvious. Everybody will change and think my way. It's going to take some arm twisting, I think. Um, Because any change takes arm twisting. We all agree that it's great that women vote now, 
but back when women couldn't vote, arms had to be twisted. Mm-hmm. And now it's a great thing. So I think that we really need some very large scale federal style policies to protect American families. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's laughable at this stage yeah. of the performances put on and the political bullshit spewed about like families first and, and, you know, but yet we can't feed. I, I, I'll, I'll, this is where the swearing would come in. Um, I just, it's <laughs> laughable. The platforms that are presented and the data that comes out about how many Americans are supportive of parental leave, um, a paid parental leave, and then, like, nothing fucking happens. Yeah. And again, economic growth, like, <laughs> set us up for success. But, like, don't worry, Congress. You guys just, you you worry about that guy in his, his sweatshirt. Um, <laughs> my women's rights, rights are stripped away. Um, okay. End rant. <laughs> <laughs> but it is true. It is. Yeah. So, well, wrapping it all up, Caitlin, you always do a wonderful job wrapping things up for us. Way to put me on the spot. I wasn't prepared for that one today. <laughs> no, I'm, I would agree. I think just to kind of put a bow on it, I, there are things and conversations that we can be having on the household level, which is hopefully, you know, part of what this podcast does is kind of enabling some of those conversations and giving people the tools and the the verbiage they need to have that conversation because it isn't an easy conversation. There's there are there are strong valid feelings on both sides of it when it does when it does come up. Um, but then you know there's things that we can be doing and we can be pushing for. Um, and I think we kind of have to think of ourselves as these like activists. No one is going, like you said, nothing happens when everybody points to it and goes, see, it could be way better. And then, you know, so I think we have to take it on ourselves and kind of be, be the change and start whether it is your own informal group at a company level, whether it's informally as a group of friends doing something like at a local level, um, whatever you can contribute to the conversation is absolutely welcomed and necessary. And it's none of it is too small, whether you're just having it on a household level and, and working at your household level or whether you're taking it in a broader scope, I think is, is kind of the takeaway there for it. So that's our hope. That's our goal on this podcast. And so Sarah, we thank you for coming and sharing all of your insight on how you've done this at, at the internet. Um, <laughs> it's, it's genuinely very, very insightful. And for those of you who are listening, if you rate, review, and subscribe, it helps us grow. It helps us find more listeners like you. Um, and if you share, it helps us spread the word about this conversation and start bringing it to the forefront. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I hope, I hope to be a second star again. 
yeah. tag. Oh yeah. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> Bye everyone. All right. Bye.